Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So today we have a fun episode. Sarah, do you want to tell about our special guest? Yeah, so we're joined by three listeners today. Ernesto, Michaela, and Katie are joining us to have a more in-depth discussion about the stigma around men's mental health and music and a lot of other issues that fit within that bubble. So many. So many. It's a very in-depth conversation and we definitely ticked off like literally any box that could have anything to do with mental health struggles. So I feel like uh, people will get a lot from today's convo. Yeah. And we decided to do this because we had a really good response from the last episode we did on men and their mental health. And we had a lot of fans DMing us about it. So we wanted to do an episode where we got to talk to some listeners who are also music fans because we think it's always important to share the mic with you guys yeah and it's just so amazing how much our community is growing i will say it's pretty cool because like anytime we did the fan takes before we always had to like find random people on the internet to join and this time all three people were already listeners of our podcast and like we basically befriended all of them before even doing this episode so that's really cool yeah it's really exciting that people who listen want to take part it really means a lot to us as always if you enjoy the content you can come join our community over at patreon.com name three songs where we have a discord among other things and if you just enjoy the episode and want to leave us a little tip we're at paypal.me slash name three songs or just come hang out and dm us without further ado let's meet our guests today all right you guys thank you so much for joining us today so excited to get into this conversation with you guys as you know this is a really important topic and it seems like you all are really passionate about it so i'm really interested to hear how this goes would you like to go around and say your name and where you're located so everyone can get to know you a little bit hi um my name is michaela and uh, my pronouns are she her and i live in california my name is ernesto I, my, my pronouns are they, them, and I live in Mexico City. Hi, my name is Katie. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I live in New York City. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Since we did our last mental health episode and we specifically called out a few artists who we think are doing good jobs or not doing such a good job of speaking about mental health, we kind of wanted to pass the question to y'all. And what are some male musicians in particular that you think are outspoken about their mental health and kind of like in what ways? I think Youngblood, who you guys kind of shouted out in that episode. And then also I'm a huge fan of Dan from Real Friends. He's been like super outspoken about like whenever he was dealing with anxiety and like also his pronouns are he, they, so I'm going to be using them kind of interchangeably. So I just want to put that out there so it's not confusing. But so they were like really outspoken about like whenever 
they were diagnosed with bipolar disorder and um, how that was like affecting the band and uh, their recording process and like really just kind of like outspoken and advocating for therapy and medication if that's like going to help the situation and just really actually talking about stuff. I think Gerard Way, Dickman McKenna and Harry Styles are like my top three musicians that talk about these things. I think Gerard goes a lot about it from like talking about having to go to therapy and growing up depressed and with mental illnesses and the drug addiction and how all of that came out after 2005, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Declan McKenna also, like he's not so much outspoken directly on mental health as Gerard, but he talks about like the importance of listening to the youth. And I believe that also relates to how we as, as younger generations perceive our mental health. And finally, more into the male side of things, Harry Styles does a lot of talking about gender expression and being comfortable with one's masculinity. So I believe that that is also important while talking about mental health in men. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our, our episode, we definitely tried to tie in that toxic masculinity and mental health because they kind of go hand in hand. So that's super important. And then Katie, what about you? I'm a huge fan of Census Fail. I love Buddy. And I think he's been really outspoken about a lot of stuff in the recent years. He does this thing on Instagram. I think, some, I don't know if it's every Monday or, you know, kind of when he remembers to do it on a Monday. <laughs> But um, he does this thing where he hashtags mental health Monday and he'll kind of talk about how his journey has been going. You know, he also like Gerard had, you know, a drug addiction problem uh, among other things. And again, kind of tackling the toxic masculinity thing mm -hmm. uh, that Ernesto was just talking about and kind of like the harder, like hardcore punk rock scene where like you see a lot of the like macho dudes kind of like, oh, I'm, you know, too macho for emotions. But Buddy kind of tries to break that down and bring that in. I think it's just so important that there are artists out there who are like not only just talking about their mental health, but like advocating for their fans as well. Because I feel like most of the people that you guys mentioned like do that so much, which is really important because I feel like there are a lot of artists who do a good job speaking about it and being like, oh, look, like I'm open about this, which does make people more comfortable being open about it. But I think the advocacy is like a really big part that people don't think about because I feel like, especially right now, I feel like so many people are just like, oh yeah, like I'm depressed, I have anxiety, I have these things. And so it's just become so normal that people don't really realize that advocacy is important, just like it is for any other big issues that are going on. But it's like, just because everybody is suffering doesn't mean that there shouldn't be louder voices being like, here's how to like, suffer less <laughs> but I yeah it's just it's really important and I feel like a lot of these artists are doing that in their own way whether that is like sharing their mental health or as Ernesto said like speaking about things that are important that do affect people's mental health because that is just as important as speaking about your own mental health well-being so thinking back how did you feel as like a teenager listening to these artists being within especially like the kind of pop punk warp tour bubble as like we often call it where a lot of these artists are singing about their mental health issues and I think it's also common for a lot of teenagers to experience mental health issues. So how's your perspective for, as a teenager versus now? And Ernesto, I'd like to ask this question to you first. Being in Mexico, the Warped Tour as a, as a festival was something that I dreamt about. Not so much something that I could go to every summer. 
so my my interaction with that was through Tumblr mostly. So I saw edits and like lyrics with pictures and posts that said like Warpter is like Disneyland for emo kids. And I believe that I, I went all in with, with that uh, kind of view for the festival. And so each time one of these bands like of Mice and Men or Bring Me the Horizon or Sleeping with Sirens or Curse of Ale and also Ultim Low came to Mexico, I would die. And I would literally just go there and have my sort of religious experience cleaning myself from my problems at home or at school. And I think that I like I created a fantasy world where Warpedur was like this kind of Eden where I could go to and be free and chat with my favorite musicians about all of these things because they would understand me. And I don't know, like that sort of thing was there for a lot of years. And then I had the chance to go to Warpedur in 2016 when everything started to crumble more like more visually yeah with the sexual allegations and everything so i started to see the wrong side of it mm-hmm. and the wrong side of this fantasy and i started being extremely critical about it and i went i, I left the pop punk world for a bit and then i like now i see how fucked up in a way it was that we as fans created this fantasy that the artists so like an opportunity to make money off and they just threw it back at us and it was just like this relationship where the ball of there is this superficial talk of mental health is passed between fans and artists mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's sad now yeah i think that that's like a big issue especially when like you don't actually get to see these bands or experience those those things because you you aren't aware because I feel like from somebody who's been going to Warp Tour for like <laughs> most of my life, it's that thing where like once you start paying attention, you're kind of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here right now. Or like, oh, like not so much the concert part, but it's like the accessibility to these artists is a bit questionable for the fact that it's an all ages festival. But also just the fact that like it's so easy to create a narrative for people. And I feel like I talk about this a lot in like every episode of like there's a difference from like the public facing persona of somebody and like who they really are. Even if you feel like you really know them because like there are some artists who like Halsey is a good example who's very open but there's still so much you don't know about her because we don't know her so I feel like within the pop punk world because so much of the songs are really relatable about like hating your hometown and like being sad and like all of these things like all, all of these themes that pop up in most pop punk songs it's just it's so easy to sort of lull yourself into this sense of security and then as you get older you're kind of looking and you're like wait they never really talked about this Um, And I feel like that's just like a common occurrence of realizing like, oh, they're just, they, they sing about their mental health, which is good and can be helpful. But I think at the same time, like, I think I mentioned this in our original episode about this. If I hadn't had McFly when I was younger and I only had like the emo music that I was listening to, I probably wouldn't have made it past that point. Because when you go to other depressed people who aren't giving you access to like advocacy for the depression that you both are facing like what else is there like nothing's there to like bring you up whereas like if you have some sort of happy thing to go to at least you have that 
<laughs> and so I, I completely get what you're saying. Yeah. Michaela or Katie, do you want to respond to that or share your, your own personal experiences as a teenager? So as a teenager, I wasn't really into pop punk yet. I would say I got super deep into the One Direction fandom, like my freshman year of high school. And then I just kind of like fell headfirst into that. So like I was listening to that. And then like a lot of my brothers hand me down CDs that like they were just sick of. So like a lot of Linkin Park, Avenged Sevenfold, Metallica, just kind of like a weird mismatch of stuff. And then um, like I really wanted to go to Warp Tour because my brothers got to go every year but my mom would never let me. <laughs> she was like, she's like, no, you're not going to that. You're, you're too young for that. You're not going. And then I was like really mad about it, like at the time, but like looking back, I feel like maybe it was a good choice. <laughs> and then like the first time I went to Warped was in 2017, I think. And then it was just kind of weird because it was like after kind of everything had like blown up and like, you know, there were like so many bands where it was like, oh, okay, so they're really shitty. So it was just kind of like this weird feeling where it was like, it kind of felt like the bubble was popped mm -hmm. and like everyone kind of knew it. It was this really weird kind of surreal feeling that like, I don't even really know how to describe. But what had like really gotten me into pop punk was I was super depressed in like 2016, 2017. And I kind of hit a point one day where I was like, I need to do something like I need to just like get out of the house like I need to get out of my head. Like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I'm just gonna see what concerts are around. So I decided to go to a Wonder Years concert. I only knew like one of their songs. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to this concert. The lineup was uh, Moose Blood, Knuckle Puck, uh, Real Friends, and The Wonder Years. And I got super into all of them was super heartbroken when Moose Blood turned out to be trash <laughs> and yeah that's kind of that's like a three-fourth pretty safe lineup though <laughs> at least you found real friends out of that yeah Katie what about you kind of the same thing you know I was like super depressed in high school you know I didn't really have a lot of friends you know and then I heard I'm not okay by my cam on the radio and I was like oh man that's like that's a tight song so like I went and bought the CD and I got super, super invested in them. And it kind of gave me an escape from everything. And it kind of, the way they built worlds around everything, you know, I got immersed in that. And then I like read the liner notes and I was like, oh, like, you know, I found like a whole bunch of bands like from the liner notes and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, they sound really cool. But getting really into my chem and hearing Gerard kind of talk about his struggles and and stuff like that and I don't remember the exact quote but he says something to the effect of you know we're just five guys from New Jersey trying to show everybody that like it's okay to not be okay and we're all just as weird as you and so I kind of found solace in that and I really you know I connected with that and here I am I don't know how many years deep now into pop punk yeah I feel like my chem is like a really it's really amazing that we had that like like when we were younger because even like that was a thing and like I've talked about this before but it was like I always felt like you had to choose between Fall Out Boy and My Chem but I always was like My Chem talks about things better but I just really love Fall Out <laughs> but like anytime there'd be like joint interviews or like anything going on I'd be like wow this man is so well spoken and then like as an adult like going back on it and I'm like wow I'm so glad all my friends had this man because <laughs> I didn't have this man like this and this is a good man because I feel like so many of them because like that's a the thing and like this just is 
aging me and showing how insane I was. But like Pete once had made like a live journal post about how when Take This to Your Grave came out, it like didn't do well. And then Pete tried to kill himself in a Best Buy parking lot. And he like talked about this at length about how like he tried to like overdose on drugs. My parents, anytime they tried to take me to Best Buy, I would have an emotional breakdown <laughs> because I'd be like, Pete once tried to kill himself in a Best Buy parking lot. And so... <laughs> Like, <laughs> it's not funny but like looking back on like your emotion and the connection as a fan to a best buy is it <laughs> yeah. sounds ridiculous it sounds insane. so i get it yeah. but like at the time like i was very like distraught about this and like messed up about it and it's just like looking back so distressing that at like 12 years old my first understanding of mental health issue was that like my favorite guy from my favorite band tried to kill himself because of a best buy and i was like <laughs> what is going on on here so it's just like a weird juxtaposition of like Gerard Way and every interview being like this is how I fucked up and Pete Wentz sort of like glorifying his suicide attempt on live journal and it's like what are you doing MCR so there's a book called fangirls by Hannah Ewens and we did an episode about it earlier in the the podcast season but she specifically talks about MCR and how at the time they were kind of the first ones to talk about mental health publicly because it was kind of a taboo conversation at the time and that was like a little bit more than 10 years ago which is honestly insane to think that and i think if you're like one of us essentially you're more tuned into these conversations but for like the general public for a lot of people it's still really stigmatized and i think that's why we wanted to do this episode and have these conversations of like especially you know therapy was essentially like made for women they were just like women have problems and we need to figure it out but in doing that like the toxic masculinity of it cut men out of the equation and so now they have all these problems that they don't know how to deal with because they lied to themselves saying that they didn't have them so point being is like this is just like a really poignant time to be talking about this because for so many especially male musicians it's something that still is a bit taboo well the interesting thing of what you're saying is also that like at least for us in our sort of age bracket of like late 20s early 30s it was mostly men in that realm and so yeah. you don't really have other than paramore but like at that time like the misogyny was strong <laughs> like the internalized misogyny was strong so even when you turn to these like female artists they're sort of like hating on other women and so then you turn to these male artists who are singing about mental health but then like any as you're growing up and you still have these artists you meet countless guys who just have no idea how to like function emotionally and you're like how come fallout boy is doing a good job or like jack's mannequin's doing a good job and it's like well number one they're like five years older than us so like they're a bit more developed but also it's like we don't realize until you're older that like men are sort of taught buck up do this like do that because you don't really acknowledge it as a kid you're just like oh that's just how boys are talked to and this is how girls are talked to and this is just what happens and then as you get older you're like oh <laughs> this is messed up like we shouldn't be doing this and so it's just interesting because I mean we said this in the first episode but like there wasn't like a handbook on how therapists should treat men until 2018 meanwhile there was like handbooks for like people in the LGBTQ community like women like disabled people like anything you could possibly think of except for like straight men there was no 
real guide how to help them with their mental health struggles. And so then looking back on it, it's like, can we be so harsh on these people for not being helpful when nobody was helping them? I don't know. But like, also at the same time, it's like, again, a lot of them were sort of glorifying their depression, unlike how like my chem was sort of being like, this isn't something beautiful, like this ruin, this kind of almost ruined my life. Like it almost took my life from me, whereas a lot of other bands were kind of just doing it in like a weird way. Well, there's there's an interesting part in what you're saying, because like with My Chemical Romance, for example, I think that all of the songs that really, really dive into suicide that are mostly on bullets, mm -hmm. like Headfirst for Halos and Drawing Lessons, they stopped playing them very early on because it was like, okay, this is how I, Jared Way, I'm feeling, but I'm not going to pass this on to Maya. And I don't know, compare that to... Sleeping with Sirens, singing Better of Dead every night for three years. I, I think about that and, and I feel that it's like there is a contrast also in like the performative side of this whole discussion. That's really something to think about because there have been artists who have been like, I understand how much our fans love this song, but like that was like a dark place that I was in. And like, I don't need to number one, revisit that myself. And number two, make you guys revisit that. Because also the other thing is, is like a lot of times we don't know the full story behind these songs. And so we just take from it what we feel we need to. And sometimes that can be even darker than the song actually was. So yeah, I mean, that's like another just testament to Gerard Way's ability to be like in tune with his own struggles because he's like, I don't need to like give these problems to you. Whereas like, I mean, sleeping with sirens will do anything for a, pay a paycheck. So like if the shoe fits, you know, like it makes sense that they would sort of continue to revisit that song. But I feel like there's so many old songs that you can visit to give that to your fans to be like, oh, see, like we're aware that you've been here this whole time. You don't need to give them like the most depressing one out of the lot. It reminded me of I saw Have Mercy like a year or so before like they stopped being together. And it was at the House of Blues and it was like they came on really late and like everyone was kind of like, OK, what's going on? And like he came on and he was just like, like you could tell he was off and he was just like, yeah, my girlfriend like just broke up with me. Like, I don't want to be here right now. Like my manager said I have to come out and play this show. And it was like, OK. And like it was like this super like tense. And then the crowd's like telling him to play all of his like love songs and stuff. And it's like, guys, he like just went through a breakup and he was like pissed. Like I've never seen someone come on stage this pissed. And, and everyone's like, oh, play my hair, which like I guess is this super emotional. It's like about his girlfriend. And he's just like. Like, fuck you guys it just like smashed his guitar it just walked off it was just a very weird like situation to be like in the crowd in. and it was just really uncomfortable I think for a lot of people um so that actually reminded me of Austin from Waterparks he wrote a bunch of songs for his like then girlfriend and now he like has to play them every night because they're like fan favorites like I think 21 questions and like lucky people and stuff like that and he like talks about like he wrote a book also which is just and he wrote about like how he had to continue being on tour and like singing these songs every night and he would just like go back to his bunk after the show and like cry because she broke up with him like before one of the shows and he still had to go out and play the shows so Michaela's story kind of reminded me of that and how you know sometimes those things do spill over you know onto the stage and even not and a lot of fans don't realize you know what they're going through both examples Austin's and Brian I think that 
like this misunderstanding of the fans of thinking you know the artists but not knowing what they are really going through and demanding things like demanding these songs demanding my hair or demanding 21 questions i feel like that also plays into the situation of men not understanding men i know the water parks fan base it's mostly teenage girls but like i don't know have mercy being a more emo-ish midwest band i feel like there is this misunderstanding of me as a as a man i'm, I'm gonna tell that man to man up and sing those songs even he's heartbroken and i don't know that's 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 awful i mean this is something that like a lesson we could all learn and being more compassionate with each other is just knowing that like people are going and like it's so easy to say this and it's so easy to forget it in practice of like knowing people are going through things that you don't know about and like giving themselves some grace to like have a bad day mm -hmm. i mean you see this like all the time especially in like the music documentaries like even billy eilish or like demi lovato or people just saying like yeah I, like it was really tough for me to do that meet and greet because like i'm having like a shit day but like i have to go put on this front and i think that's interesting in the context of people using music as like a coping mechanism because it's like i'm here at this show as an escape being here at this show is part of a way for me to deal with my mental health and like hearing these songs so like why aren't you why aren't you doing what i want you to do i think that's plays into also the toxic fandom side of things well that's also like the thing of people not acknowledging that these artists that they love are real people and i think it's also a really big testament to why it's so important that these artists are also advocates if they do sing about mental health because it's like if somebody is like oh it's not my job to speak about mental health meanwhile their whole discography is about their depression or what have you and then they expect their fans to be understanding when they rock up and are like hey i'm having a really shit time i don't want to sing about my ex-girlfriend tonight it's like why should they be understanding about that when like you you aren't giving them anything other than your music to rely on and so I feel like it's very much like it needs to be more of a symbiotic relationship I think between these artists and these fans and I feel like this is why I'm just like okay you need to be like an advocate you need to teach yourself about how to speak about this in like a helpful manner because and like this is the whole thing with like those Ashton Irwin fans getting mad where they're like well he sings really well about his mental health and he speaks about it well and I'm like yeah but he's just speaking about his own problems which like he seems to be working to using the right language and all this sort of thing but it's like how helpful can it be when like a man who has money and access to things isn't also being like oh I'm aware that this isn't easy for everyone here's other things you know and I feel like that's important for a lot of artists to do because if you want your fans to be like understanding of your mental health issues you need to be understanding of theirs too well I really want to hear y'all's takes on this but I just want to give another side of this is I don't actually think it should be the responsibility of the artist. I think society has failed us into thinking that these artists should be advocates because like I think like you can't force anyone to be an advocate who's not naturally gonna be that but like I understand where it's kind of, especially like if your whole discography is just like kind of banking on the fact of your depression or whatever it is like I do understand there's a point where like you probably need to like help some people out in some kind of way but I think like the fact that these conversations like should ideally be happening in schools or like by parents like talking to their kids and like the fact that we don't get 
get any information. We don't even like know how to talk about these things in school. That's when people turn to other mediums like music to find solace, but also to like educate themselves. And so that's, that's, I think the point where you're coming in, Sarah, of like, it is important in that regard with how our society works right now for people to be advocates. But opening it up to y'all, do you think the musicians need to also be advocates? It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yes and no, because like you guys were saying, it needs to be kind of a symbiotic relationship and, and how, you know, some people are just going to naturally be outspoken about some things. And kind of like how I brought in, you know, with the initial survey, some people are ready to speak about their mental health outside yeah. of their music. And some people just aren't, you know, it wasn't until recently that I started talking to my friends about it. And we've all been, you know, we've all been through the my chem, you know, deep into it and all of that. But it was been pretty recent that maybe it's been the pandemic maybe it's I don't know what it's been but everybody's been kind of a little more open yeah at least in my friend group but I think personally I think it comes down to if you're ready to speak about it and then if you're ready to kind of I think as someone with a platform I think it comes down to if you're ready for the backlash that's going to come with it because someone's going to find fault in your words somehow. They're going to say, oh, well, you didn't speak about this just right. You didn't speak about, you know, the way I feel about it. So I'm going to lash out at you. I mean, that's super important. And I think also, like, I think a lot of the issue is, especially depending on, like, what type of artist you are and what type of fan you attract. It's like, I would never expect somebody who I don't know to be like, yeah, these are all of the issues that I have. This is why I have mental health issues. I'm just like, okay, if you're depressed, just be like, this is how you can help depression. Not like, this is why I'm depressed because, like, it's not my business. If you want to share it, cool, because then maybe your listeners can relate to you more. But I'm just like, you don't need to get that personal if you don't want to because your songs are enough like you're already creating that sort of like attachment through that or whatever like you don't need to go above and beyond to that degree I just feel like I guess my viewpoint on it is like just like share the links (laughs) be like yeah like or if like an interviewer like asks you about like oh like this song and if you're like oh like I don't really want to talk about the subject of this but like if you're going through something similar here's some things that I know to help like that's basically the extent that I mean I'm not like (laughs) yell from the rooftops about all of your issues because I feel like a lot of people sort of can misunderstand when people are like we want you to be an advocate because there are so many people like Gerard Way or like Sam Fender who are talking about who shares deeply personal stories and then is like and here's how I got help or like here's what you can do to like fight toxic masculinity or like defeat the gender norms of like therapy or what have you I think it's not on the artists, definitely. Because, like, I feel like 
there is this thing that I, I saw it a lot when, when the Black Lives Matter happened last year, forcing people to speak on certain topics. Like, I, I feel like my generation and the younger generation than I, like Gen Z, it, it's so into forcing all of these public figures to talk about all of the issues that you don't even know if these people are going through or not. So it's okay for these people to use their platform to talk and be informed and inform others. But you don't know if, if they are not informed. You don't know if like you can force people to have the same opinions as you and the same experiences as you. Everybody is different. And, and well, when, when musicians do talk about these things, like Declan or Gerard, it's super cool and, and it's I feel grateful because I have this space where I can develop my critical thinking. And, and sometimes that's the only space I have to, mm -hmm. to speak about those things. And well, I, I think that we're flawed as a society because we don't have like a, a space to talk about mental health. Like, and therapy is extremely expensive. Like there is a, a wall of privilege in treating or mental health issues. And I believe that by talking about those things, by talking about our mental health, we can open those doors for it to be more available for everyone. So I think that the, the talk has to come from us. I completely agree. I think I think we, we were kind of mentioning this earlier about the Demi Lovato doc that came out recently on YouTube and how sometimes like people can expect for if you're going to talk about something to be like the perfect advocate or to speak about something as a place of from recovery when that's not always important. And I agree, like you should only talk about it if you're comfortable talking about it and you should only talk about it if you feel like you have the education to like be able to help others. But I think it, like you said, Ernesto, it is really important just to have these conversations in the open because of the fact that it will open doors for more people to either then further educate themselves or essentially just become more normalized so that hopefully we can get to a place where therapy isn't expensive, where it's, it's accessible to people, where there's more education around these subjects. <laughs> oh, that's like... I've seen, not like on Twitter so much, but like on Facebook, I've seen all the typical anti-Demi Lovato backlash that she gets like anytime she does anything where people are like, oh, she's just a drug addict and like, oh my God. And they just like joke about it. It just like pisses me off so much because it's like she's coming out and like talking about all this stuff. And like, you know, that must be incredibly hard to like know that like you have that big of a platform and to come out and be like hey this is stuff that I'm dealing with like this is what I've been through and just asking like to be heard and to be like taken seriously about it and then to just continue to be like the butt of the joke but then like at the exact same time everyone's like watching the Britney Spears documentary and being like oh we treated Britney so terribly when she was going through a breakdown like we need to stop doing that and then like the Demi Lovato doc comes out and everyone's like oh my god let's all make fun of her <laughs> and it's like it's still happening like you're doing exactly what you did to Britney when she had her breakdown I feel like mental health is still so stigmatized that it's like when people do like start talking about it like so many people are so quick to just like make fun of it or like be like oh they're just overreacting to whatever and it's like or you could actually listen and learn something from someone that like has a different experience than you yeah 
I completely agree. And that's, you know, what I was saying earlier is like within our bubble, we feel like it's normal because a lot of us are comfortable talking about it or we listen to musicians who talk about it. But outside of that, it is like people do make fun of her. And I think this is also, again, a societal thing of just wanting to attack any woman who says anything because we can. And like, I don't know, there would have been an alternative universe where Britney Spears wasn't attacked the way she was because everyone was just so vicious of wanting to like tear her apart. I mean, Lindsay Lohan, the same, like we see it again and again. I just feel like society, (laughs) society is just like fully fucked in so many ways where it's like you expect women to be like emotional and like outwards with their thoughts and feelings. But then when they are, you're like, how dare you be outwards in this way? And then you like expect men to be like hard and cold and like not talk about this stuff. And then when they don't, people are like, why are you not talking about this or whatever the case is? Or when they do talk about it, they're like, why are you doing this? Like, you're a man. You're not supposed to do this. And there's just so many like disgusting norms that were put in place so far back in history that it's just so crazy that it still is affecting so many people so negatively to this day. And it affects like fandom culture too, I think, because I feel like because people have these like preconceived thoughts, they'll either be like, oh, okay, like we don't need to expect much from this person. Or because of the way that like the younger generations are sort of teaching themselves, they like expect so much from people, which I just feel like there's no real like happy medium (laughs) anymore, just because of the way that the internet has sort of taken on its own like life force in a way of you believe one thing if you're on like one side of the internet and you believe another thing if you're on the other side and like there's never really any overlap and so it's just really interesting because I feel like a lot of the times music fans are teaching themselves things based off of the tiny breadcrumbs that are given to them by the artists that they listen to which I think is quite beautiful because they do have that sort of ability to take something and run with it and they don't necessarily always need these artists to be advocates because they're advocating for each other which is like the beautiful side of fandom because like there is that on top of everything else so I wanted to see if you guys had any thoughts as far as like how toxic masculinity plays a role in this conversation of mental health I mean, I think a lot of this also has to do with, you know, things we've mentioned previously in this so far, which is the norm of like, even on the hardcore side of the scene of you have to be like a macho dude and it's not okay to like be sensitive. But honestly, I think this toxic masculinity thing kind of like it feeds into misogyny. It feeds into the sexual assault and it feeds into mental health. Like, I really think that's part of the underlying thing. And I think that's why like in the warp tour bubble in particular all of these things were so prevalent is because it's like a huge just unaddressed issue well i think also like how ernesto mentioned earlier with harry styles being sort of comfortable discussing like gender stuff again it's just like these artists who might not necessarily be speaking about mental health or even singing about it really like they're still talking about topics that do affect mental health and i feel like a lot of artists don't even do that like they they don't have like anything they really stand for other than being angry 
and I I feel bad for pop punk at this point because we're just ragging on it all the time but like it does sort of breed toxicity in a lot of different ways and there just have been so many instances where like you'll go from an all-time low set where they're like oh these girls at the front are getting crushed like can you pull back or like stop playing music if they see something bad happening to somebody or whatever and they're like this doesn't happen at at our shows and then you go like three stages over and it's like Maddie Collins and he's up on stage and he's yelling about like how girls shouldn't be in his pit and like other misogynistic awful things that I've heard him say at Warped Tour and it's like you're helping create this toxicity by pretending like you hate something when like a good amount of their fan base because of the type of like quote-unquote metal that they do is very like female friendly metal and so they're kind of I mean they are they're like kind of like a gateway to real (laughs) real metal music for girls like in the Warped Tour sort of bubble and so I just think that it's it's so crazy to have that sort of level of toxic masculinity where you do see like these females and you're gonna be like oh crap there's like women (laughs) in in this crowd I gotta make sure people know that I don't want this here and that breeds toxic masculinity which then leads to mental health struggles because people are like wow my favorite band doesn't want me here or like oh wow like I should also hate women because my favorite band hates women and what have you and then that leads to so many other problems um kind of talking about like in the hardcore community and like the toxic masculinity thing you know I have a really good friend who works out a lot you know just to keep himself probably sane and and mentally sound you know we've been open about we talk about our struggles and we talk about you know mental health and stuff like that and you know I was kind of talking to him before this podcast and we were talking about how we met at like a hardcore show and I was just kind of thinking back on that and I was like wow he he just seems like you know not one of the normal hardcore dudes because he seemed a little more sensitive is what people would call him him, but he just I don't know it's nice to see that there are like guy fans of the hardcore and the metal and you know stuff like that that you know you just would probably look at them and say oh they're gonna ruin my life in like the worst way possible yeah. you know you know either gaslighting me with something or treating me like because I'm a female as an object or, you know, something stupid like that. But that comes from the toxic masculinity. And it's, you know, it's it was nice to see somebody coming from that scene that wasn't like that, you know, and it's just a small reminder that there are people out there, you know, that aren't t- that toxic. I feel like there is just like the assumptions in so many levels that do also mm-hmm. affect it because I feel people when you just make like assume like oh like he's at this show he's not like they're not gonna be they're gonna be this way and they're not gonna be that way but they wind up being like the way that you would never expect but I feel like it's kind of like a, a tricky thing to think about because these artists are giving us an an idea of what we should like quote unquote expect from the people who like them because of the way that they present and then when you meet people who aren't you're kind of taken aback and (laughs) in some sometimes you can't even appreciate the fact that you've been taken aback because you just are continually waiting for like the the ball to drop sort of thing and I just feel like that's so it's so sad (laughs) in a lot of ways that like so many communities have build up just like preconceived notions because of like how certain people act and stuff and you just expect the worst and hope for the best sort of thing but I feel like that just says a lot of how loud these like bands are about their viewpoints and why it's important for people to try and not (laughs) have toxic masculinity because like it is so loud that it's yeah that it makes it really hard. Sarah I was just thinking as you were talking about the 
like Memphis Mayfire example, like, because mm-hmm. I I don't remember, like, I personally don't remember any, like, experiencing anything like that. But I was also on the, like, all-time low Mayday Parade, the main side of Warp Tour. <laughs> and it's just, like, my two thoughts are, like, it's insane that that coexisted in that <laughs> sphere and it's probably for the best that warp tour doesn't exist anymore because of yeah. the amount of problems that bred there even mm-hmm. though kevin lyman would say that it wasn't a warp tour problem and then number two i was just thinking about like the fact that there were all those nonprofits that would also go on warp tour like to write love on her arms and i know there was like a bunch of others but in a way it was like really amazing that those organizations figured out like they could be a part of Warp Tour because it was a resource and like I feel like artists would like call them out or like there were mm-hmm. certain artists who would like work more closely with those organizations. So in a way that was like one positive thing. I mean the fact that there were those organizations on Warp Tour definitely was a good thing, but also at the same time with you saying like I can't believe those worlds coexisted. Like it's just so crazy how many people took a wrong turn, wind up in a Memphis Mayfire pit and like the next thing you know they're like on right wing you YouTube like <laughs> because I feel like it, it is like this weird thing where like so many things that are kind of very oil and water were coexisting because of somebody deciding that Grimo had anything to do with pop punk and had anything to do with like electronic punk like punk music and like so you have like cash cash and like <laughs> 303 and like playing in between like august burns red and like a day to remember and then like the main's just there and you're like what is <laughs> what is happening like i mean all those bands i listed i don't think are are mostly okay but <laughs> like there's still like the more problematic ones and some of them yes are like all on like one stage where you can go see like we came as romans and like i see stars and like all that but those guys are like pretty good about talking about these issues but then there's the bigger names like memphis mayfire who are on the same stage as like all time low and so there are some kids who are like oh all time low got headline spot tonight i'm gonna be on that barricade all day and they're being fed like so much stuff that's like fighting with each other so many different viewpoints that it's kind of like who thought this was a good idea like it's just so crazy looking back on it now and like having these discussions about how important like mental health awareness and advocacy and all that stuff is and you're just looking back and you're like wow what a mod podge of like <laughs> emotions and feelings happening at the same time how did you say it like with all of these mismatch of bands and acts on the main stage of Warp Tour. I think it's important to also recognize that by the end of Warp Tour and missing that kind of space that conceptually is amazing, just mm-hmm. the practice was trash. To think about the main doing so much, like mm-hmm. there is 8123 Fest every two years and there is the new Sad Summer Fest that I mm-hmm. think have just one because of the pandemic. So I think that is also important to see that those bands that were doing good, mostly the main and all-time low, realized that the concept of Warp Tour was good, but the way it was working wasn't effective. Yeah. And that the discussions of mental health that could be had in these kind of spaces could go further if we put together all of the cool bands that do talk about these things. So you have like Stand Atlantic and the main and all time low in one festival and everything just works good. And it's sort of inclusive because also like there is this other thing that how many women were playing at work, like one per year, mostly. 
and and I believe like yeah, but like I don't know like it's it's cool to see that the bands that do good are actually doing good. That is true. All time low is like at the height of their career. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Sad Summer felt really cool because it was like it seemed like they put a lot of thought into the things that made Warp Tour bad, and they were like, okay, you know what, we're gonna do the opposite of that. I mean, they had signs up all over the venue that were like that defined consent, which like at a festival, like <laughs> I like fully like was frozen reading the sign. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe they actually like put this out here. They were like plastered all over the venue it was like this is what consent is this is a safe space if anyone's like touching you or doing anything that like feels wrong like let us know let someone working here know let a volunteer know and we're gonna kick them out because like that's not okay here it was super cool and it was like kind of the opposite of warped (laughs) that's amazing yeah that's amazing to hear and honestly we need more of it is there anything else like anyone else wants to add i i think like uh but by the end of the, I think the last question you asked on the survey, the, the, the deal of what, what is happening now, because we have talked about all of these things that were prevalent 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that we, we should talk about how now it's the turn of John Blood and Billie Eilish and 21 Pilots in a way to, to talk about these things you know, and, and to take the good parts like the main and all-time low did with such summer fest mm-hmm. to really put it out there like look at Gerard way and say that's what i want to be and be that for the fans i completely agree because i feel like there are a lot of artists who are really young who are trying really hard to be like that for like a newer generation because like i don't know how much like Cause it's like weird. Cause I feel like young blood does do a lot, but at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> it's like that. It's a, like that weird, like gray area of kind of like, okay, you've created something, but I think it's become bigger than you because of like, him just being who he is, if that makes sense. And I think it's kind of like what I was saying before of like a fandom taking something on being like, this is what they're trying to do. So we're going to do it better. And I feel like it's kind of similar with Billie Eilish, but also Billie has been very like open with just like putting her life out there and like available to people. So like, she's a person. I feel like her team were kind of like, no, there's a persona. And I'm like, Billie Eilish is a human being. Like, I don't know <laughs> like what what you're talking because like, yeah, because I feel like with her like fashion statement and all that stuff, like people who don't know about her just like view her as like an image. Whereas like anybody who pays any attention is like, this is just a human person, which I feel like is quite n- nice and a nice change of pace because I feel like so many people when you look back and like people we've talked about on the podcast like there is such a stark difference between like their public facing persona and like who they are as people whereas i feel like young blood and billy are like this is who i am you either like it or you don't and then the fans sort of take that and like create something out of it which i think is pretty incredible that they have those stepping stones to do so because i feel like a lot of like 21 pilots fans because 21 pilots has been around for so long it's not as much the same thing because a lot of people are like why are you not doing <laughs> like why are you not using your platform and then he like makes dumb jokes about it so yeah i feel like the youth of the world is really running with like hey this is me no holds bar you like me or you don't and like you do with this what you will which I think is quite helpful to all of this. 
That's what I really liked about Dan from Real Friends, because whenever he was like dealing with all of his mental health stuff, the band had canceled some shows in Australia, I think, because he was like, yeah, I don't know, like I've got all this mental health stuff going on, like I need to figure it out. Being on the road's not really helping right now. So they like took some time off and then they were recording their last album, which he said he had recorded unmedicated and in a manic episode. And then like the album came out and it was like a lot of the songs are like very clearly about like mental health stuff and then he was like okay so turns out I'm bipolar and I was like self-medicating with alcohol and weed which like if you don't know that much about bipolar weed tends to make your symptoms a lot worse and can like send you into a manic episode and so he's like so I was like doing a lot of that and like the band was all mad at me because I was just acting erratic and like me and my band sat down with my therapist and had like three or four like group sessions to like actually discuss what was going on and like what bipolar is and like how to like deal with him when he's like manic or like super depressed and so he was just really like outspoken about it and he was like yeah I'm getting help now like this is what I'm doing and like real friends broke up I want to say last year maybe 2019 whenever they broke up he's still doing rationale so he like streams pretty often on twitch and like we'll talk about mental health and he's working with hope for the day for um doing like workplace counseling on mental health which is super cool and it's like just really cool to like see a guy that like is part of the pop punk scene and like they have i'd say real friends had like a pretty even spread between like guys and girls in the crowd you know like there are definitely like a lot more guys than there are at like a main show. And so it was like, he's out there and he's actually being like, yeah, we need to talk about this. I'm talking about it to my therapist. Like I got my entire band to come to therapy with me. He was just like very much like, okay, this is a thing. We all need to talk about it. We all need to learn about it. That's really powerful. And I feel like it's really like important and good to just be like, look at me, I'm humaning, you know? Because I feel like so many people in the spotlight are just like, I'm not a human. Like, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's, it's a lot. I know we're like talking about like pop punk and stuff like that, but kind of talking about the people in the in the industry kind of be having that, you know, persona mm-hmm. or being, you know, almost robots, yeah. if you will, or being, you know, kind of like a puppet for whoever, you know, they answer to. Um, Chase Bryant from like the country yeah. scene, like he, trigger warning, I'm going to talk about suicide. He did an article with people recently, mm-hmm. like detailing his attempt and how he failed it was like super heavy to read but he was like talking about how you know it was the one empty chamber was his saving grace and now he's like I sat back and I realized like I wasn't doing things for myself kind of like how Demi said in her documentary like I was pleasing other people and I was doing things to make other people happy but I wasn't happy and I was doing things that I felt like I was supposed to be doing but I didn't want like I was chasing you know chart numbers and and tour you know spots and stuff like that so I feel like it's interesting when you said people you know humaning you know it's nice to see people kind of breaking that down and just talking about like just little things like that like I am a human being yeah you know and then you step back and think about them differently 
Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people just kind of forget that with like these artists because you just will always assume like that they're living these like lavish lifestyles and stuff when like a lot of them like the main for a long time all would go home from tour and work real jobs. But at the same time, you're like, but you're touring all the time. Like how how do you like do these things? Like I just, you just have the assumption that they're like living this life that you could never fathom. But like that's not usually the case. So I think it's just really amazing that really in the past sort of like five-ish years, like people have just been so much more open with their struggles and just being really cognizant of making people aware like that they are humans like at the end of the day like we all go through stuff you know well i feel like that is a perfect point to leave it off i think this conversation went beyond the scope of what we thought it was because we were able to talk you know not just about mental health but toxic masculinity how that plays into your relationship with music your relationship with the artist as a fan and also we sprinkled in some misogyny in there because how can we not so i just wanted to thank all of you guys for joining us today if you guys want to share like your social media and stuff i'm on instagram as lost with you yeah this was super fun and if you want to continue talking about all this stuff uh, my twitter is cold coffee cry and my instagram is uh, michaela steel 97 thanks so much for having me guys this was really awesome uh, i really enjoyed talking with you guys uh, and bringing up all these awesome points if you want to find me on socials my instagram handle is at the real katie kane and my twitter is at katie underscore kane awesome thank you guys so much I feel like that was a really good conversation. I feel like we touched on so many important things that I feel like a lot of other listeners will be able to relate to, which is exciting because I feel like that's the whole point of having other listeners come on. Yeah, most definitely. It just like reinforces the idea of like how important it is to like have fans be part of these conversations mm -hmm. because fans are literally the ones living this. So definitely it's, it's always fun to share the mic with them. Yeah, it's really fun talking to people because like we're fans ourselves like we just yeah, have exactly. a bit more backstage knowledge than yeah. like the average fan so it's just kind of nice to know that there are a lot of people from different walks of life that feel very similarly about these topics and sort of having a broader discussion about it I feel like is really powerful and important absolutely so if you enjoyed this conversation today you can come follow up with us on social media we are at name three songs on everything if you want to join our community or you know give us a tip or whatever <laughs> you can do that at patreon.com slash name three songs or paypal.me slash name three songs and if you have thoughts if you'd like to speak with us personally one-on-one -on -one, you can find me at sarah underscore fagan and jenna at jenna underscore million so thank you for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to harry styles don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review they really help if you want to find out more about anything we referenced in this episode you can visit name three songs.com okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.